This is Cameron Crowe, and welcome to the Mark and Me podcast. Welcome to episode 178 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark. Now, joining me on today's episode to celebrate the absolute masterpiece of a film, almost famous, is Greg Mariotti. This is the guy that's responsible for being Cameron Crowe's assistant, helping him and being a producer on some of his works. He's the guy that founded and produced the amazing website, The Uncool. But not only that, he works alongside Cameron for vinyl films and he has so many stories to share and celebrate Almost Famous. But not only that, we have Cameron Crowe on the episode too, one of the best directors in the entire world and is responsible for making my favorite film of all time. If you've ever met me, if you've ever had a drink with me or listened to any of my previous podcasts, you will know how much I adore this film. I actually will say it on record now, it's the most perfect film ever made. It has the best cast, the best acting, the best story, the best screenplay, and by far the best soundtrack you will ever hear on film. So I'm absolutely thrilled to bring that to you in just a couple of minutes time. What I normally do on the start of every episode of Mark and Me is touch base and talk about my last episode. So on episode 177, I was joined by the bassist from Paramore, Joey Howard. One of my most downloaded episodes ever and a huge thank you for Joey for sharing it across your network. It's been absolutely huge and some of the feedback and new followers, I just want to say a massive thanks because I've read it all, I've replied personally to every email, DM, Facebook comment and it's been phenomenal. But let's get back in today's episode. It's an absolute huge episode for me. We're going to be celebrating Almost Famous, talking all about the brand new soundtracks, the vinyls, the incredible 4K Blu-ray, and so much more. So I think the best thing to do right now is to get straight to it. But this time, let's pass it over to Cameron Crowe, who can do it in style. This is Cameron Crowe, and let's welcome ourselves to the Mark and Me podcast. So, Greg, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. You bet. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. What I want to do today, Greg, is I hope that a lot of people are tuning in because they're fans of film, TV, music, and everything to do with Cameron Crowe, but also just in general. I want to give them a flavor of yourself. So let's take it back to the very start. And I want to know about when you were growing up as a kid. Were you that kid at school that knew what they wanted at an early age? Or were you someone that in kind of later life you started to discover the things you really loved? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think I'm probably a cliche for growing up in the 70s. Um, I, you know, I think the, 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 my first cinematic memory is seeing Jaws in a drive-in theater, I think around age four, age five, hiding in the backseat, uh, watching the film. But for me, you know, the first seminal film moment was definitely Star Wars in 77. Uh, you know, me and everybody else, right? I had the action figures. I um, was obsessed. Uh, back then, you know, there was no home video. So, you know, if you wanted to relive the movie, you would buy the either the little vinyl or the tape along with the little booklet that would kind of tell you the story of Star Wars and have a little bit of the, the music and, and, and some of the scenes. And you would kind of just listen to this 20 minute or so uh, story of Star Wars and, and until, you know, obviously VHS came along and, and you could watch it over and over again. But uh, for me, it was definitely Star Wars. I loved film at an early age. And uh, yeah, I mean, I worked at a video store in high school, you know, wanted to become uh, involved in the film industry in some way. And uh, it, it took about uh, 25 years or so uh, after high school, but eventually found my way into into film. And I asked this to a lot of people and seemed to be like a broken record player, but it's something that does crop up on nearly every interview. So when I was growing up, I wanted to be in a band. I bought a guitar, I did the Battle of Bands and did all that sort of thing. 
but it was my parents' worst nightmare to say, like, don't worry, mum, I'm going to be the next Kurt Cobain. It's like, come on, son, you need to get a proper job. So for yourself, when you're growing up and you're working in this video store and you're loving all this movies and stuff, did you kind of have a backup plan where your parents like, look, son, you need to go and do accountancy or go and work in an office? Or were they kind of very supportive and behind you in, yeah, if you want to go into the movie industry, we'll see what we can do for you. Yeah, they they were great. They sort of just, they never really gave me that speech about do this or do that or, um, you know, that's a that's a field of, of work that, that is hard to break into. It was really never that. I, I wanted to grow up so fast that um, right out of high school, you know, I, I took a few classes in college, but I, I immediately got a job, a banking job. And, you know, I wanted that, that money in my pocket. I wanted to live in my own apartment. I had a roommate, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to move out and I had a great, a great childhood, but I just couldn't wait to be on my own. And so I kind of jumped full, full, full steam ahead into, into like a full career. Um, I kind of threw the movie thing aside and, and uh, started making money and, and was excited about that prospect. And, and so, you know, I always loved movies, continued to love movies, but I did, I kind of, I followed a banking path for, for, for nearly 20 years. And, uh, uh, but always movies was always there. It was always either in the background or it was a hobby. And uh, that led me to Cameron because I spent uh, many years running Cameron's website and uh, this sort of evolved from that into a, a full uh, blown job uh, producing with Cameron. And that's one thing. So you obviously started, is this the Uncool site? Is that what it was still back then? Was it called that or was yeah. it a different name? Yeah, it was the Uncool. We, we started it in uh, early 2000 after Almost Famous had come out. Cameron's films had been um, really important to me growing up. I mean, I remember seeing Fast Times at Richmond High. I was too young to see it in theaters, but I remember watching it over and over again on uh, HBO. And then obviously when it came out on, on VHS and then uh, Say Anything came out when I was a senior in high school, which was sort of a perfect time. And then as a young 20 something in Seattle, uh, when singles came out and I was really into Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and all those bands from the, from the early nineties that kind of exploded out of Seattle. So he had always kind of been there for me. And, um, but Almost Famous was the film for me that sort of knocked me back and really, really made me stand up and say, this is a really talented, amazing filmmaker with a very unique personal voice. And um, I remember vividly seeing Almost Famous in a theater in Seattle with probably like six other people. People forget that movie was not a hit. It did not do well. I was not, I don't think it was marketed properly. And I just, it just came out and kind of disappeared quickly in theaters. Now it ended up doing well on, on home video and obviously was nominated for a lot of awards during the award season. But yeah, I remember seeing it and then going back and seeing it again and deciding that, you know what, uh, I, I was kind of dabbling with, uh, with uh, web design and thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to build a website. It'll be fun. It'll be a place to collect not only all of Cameron's movie related information, but I knew he was a journalist and thought it'd be a great place to capture a lot of his writing from the seventies. And uh, that's kind of how we, we got on the map was through, you know, just being this repository for all things Cameron. And, you know, he's so fan friendly that he reached out to me almost immediately and we started dialogue. And um, I remember he was on the, he had finished up Vanilla Sky and was on the, uh, the press tour with Tom Cruise which is documented really uh, well on the uh, Vanilla Sky DVD and Blu-ray of them touring the world together to promote the film. And so Cameron would stop in different countries and he'd email me and say, I'm in Italy and people are coming up to me saying how much they love the uncool. And, and so it was, it was a lot of fun uh, kind of seeing that, that tour through his eyes as he would uh, uh, check in with me from time to time. Uh, in Japan or in Italy or in uh, Spain or wherever he was promoting Vanilla Sky. And so we just built a dialogue over the years and I continued to bank and and uh, he continued to make films and everything kind of came together around 2015. And he said, do you want to come work for me? And um, timing was right. We moved down to California. And the first thing I did with Cameron was uh, co-produce uh, roadies for Showtime so we did 10 episodes of roadies on Showtime and and uh, we did a David Crosby documentary next and uh, we've been working on a few different projects since that hopefully we'll be able to announce soon but 
been a great ride and, and uh, you know, something I never imagined would happen, but I'm so glad that, uh, that I decided to dabble in web design back in the early 2000s. So. I mean, it's, it's one of those surreal moments. So when I started podcasting, the reason I did it was for Kevin Smith, because I kind of look at him as the king of podcasts and he was the one that started it for me. That's the one where I got to hear him talk for two hours. No one else was doing these long interviews or talks. And I was lucky enough to meet him. And he was the very first episode of Mark and Me. Uh, I went to a cinema, met him outside, and we did a quick, short interview. And it was my moment. It was like William Miller meeting Stillwater. And it was that moment. It generally was. I was waiting at the back and I got to meet them. How was it for you when you first met Cameron Crowe? Because obviously back then, I know it's a very different mindset that you are now because he's, he's your work colleague, he's your kind of manager, and you're like a friend. But back then when you were doing this, website i suppose there was probably never the realization that one day you might even meet him never mind work for him. you must have been like oh my god how how do you contemplate that mentally yeah that's that's funny um uh, first off uh kevin smith I, I agree with you he he i think he 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 doesn't get enough credit as not only being on the forefront of podcasting but also on the forefront of like interacting with his fans and his website back in the day i mean I definitely took um, notes from the way he had built his View Askew website and uh, the way he interacted with his fans. And um, so uh, I completely understand uh, the Kevin Smith connection for you. That's so cool. But yeah, back to Cameron. Um, my goal really when I built the website was, yeah, maybe I'll get to interview him someday. Uh, that was it. That was that was the extent of the goal. It was really more of a hobby. And and again, I, I was surprised how quickly he reached out and said, this is so cool. I thank you for doing this. And and uh, we, we had an interview, a formal interview pretty early on. I want to say in 2001, uh, we did a, a like a two hour phoner. And um, with the technology back then, it wasn't always easy. I remember us getting disconnected a few times, me trying to record it uh, over the phone, but it all worked out. And uh and then it just kind of evolved from there. But yeah, it was surreal. There's no question about it. I didn't, I think I met him in person around 2002. He was uh, spending his time back and forth between a suburb in Seattle and then and, and in uh, LA. And uh, he was up in Seattle and he was screening the film NARC, which was a Tom Cruise produced film starring Jason Patrick, kind of a gritty uh, cop film. I think Ray Liotta was in it as well. And he invited uh, my wife and I to come see the, the movie. And so that was my first time meeting him in person. And Nancy Wilson was with him. And also uh, uh, some of the members of Soundgarden were there. And wow. it was kind of, it was very surreal to, to, to go to that event. But Cameron's just a regular guy. He's got no pretensions. He's just He's exactly what you see when you see him interviewed and talk. He's, he's a fan first. He, you know, whenever we're doing something, he, he still has that mentality. We'll, we'll be interviewing Crosby for a documentary and Cameron will bring his records with him and ask Crosby to sign them. You know, <laughs> he's still that guy. It, 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 nothing he's one has of really us. Changed. He is totally one of us. And so, um, you know, and he has a reputation in Hollywood as being like genuine and, and his sets are really, um, uh, they're just the kind of sets that are warm and inviting. And, you know, the, you know, the stories about him playing music on set. And so I was able to visit him on the, we bought a zoo set and I was able to visit him in Hawaii on the Aloha set. And it's true. I mean, there's music being played and obviously with roadies uh, you know, he'll, he'll find songs that really mean something to an, to an actor and he'll look for the right moment to play a song, to emote, to get a certain emotion from an actor and um, most actors really respond to that kind of um, that kind of vibe and working with the crew and, and everything on these on these projects. You hear them say a lot like most sets are not like this. And uh, that's Cameron. That comes from Cameron and the people he surrounds himself with. And and uh, yeah, I can't wait to get back on a set. That's what I've missed most since uh, we've wrapped uh, roadies and, and Crosby is just being on a set. It's the best. It's, it's so much fun. I was lucky enough, and anytime I get a guest on Mark and Me, if I can somehow shoehorn in a Cameron Crowe conversation or try and twist it around, I will. I can't do it when I get people like Mads Mikkelsen or Anthony Hopkins, but I was lucky enough to get Colin Ford on. And as soon as we sat down and started talking, I was like, right, we're going to talk about We Bought a Zoo. Like, we're going to get there straight away. 
and i was never sure if it was genuinely true if they was like the film sets really were how people described and he was genuinely in awe he said he couldn't believe every day was a working day because it felt so relaxed there were these speakers on sets all around the farm and the zoo and all the different areas of the house and he was just playing music all the time and i didn't know if that was just a rumor you know like just people will say it but to hear you say it again it's just amazing i just now want to be on set and hear what sort of music he's playing at what moment to try and kind of help shape that scene it's funny you'll um his longtime sound uh engineer sound mixer legendary sound mixer jeff wexler who worked with hal ashby in the 70s on things like shampoo and worked on harold and maud and um you know he, he's worked on most of cameron's films and I think around 2001, maybe it was for Vanilla Sky, he built Cameron a, a, a sound cart. So it's a mobile cart on wheels. It's got a laptop, it's got speakers built into it. So we can roll that thing around on set and play songs no matter where we are, no matter what the location is. In the old days, you know, with some of Cameron's older uh, associate producers and co-producers, they would have to carry around like a boom box. Wow. and play the music that way. But now that we have this sound card, um, it really amps it up. It, and, and yeah, it, you, you never know what you're going to hear. And, and sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll hear a, a really specific song that ends up being in the film, or you'll hear something that, that, that you know, was never intended for the film, but it's, it's for an actor's benefit. And other times it, it, when you're in between setups, you know, Cameron might play a, a dance song. You know, you might hear Jody Watley or you might hear something you just wouldn't expect to hear just to keep the crew kind of energized as they're moving around and, um, you know, setting up the next the next shot. So it is fun. There's music playing almost constantly on set. And it's it's a blast. It really is. <sighs> Sounds incredible. And you talked, obviously, we, we've just missed out by last year the 20th anniversary of um, Almost Famous. And it's the one that really got you. And for me. It's a strange one. If anyone ever asks me my favorite film, the film I've seen the most in my entire life is Jaws. I think there's nothing wrong with Jaws. It's the most perfect film I've ever seen in my life. The dialogue, the acting, everything about it. I'm obsessed. But my actual favorite film is Almost Famous. Like it's it's the one that whatever frame of mind I'm in, if I can put that on, I'll always then feel great again. Now, we're celebrating 20 years a year later. But the best news is for the fans out there is it's like Christmas because we're getting vinyls again. So we haven't got to go on eBay and pay $100 for the soundtrack or $200. We're getting Stillwater demos. We're getting the best Blu-ray I think I've seen with extras and a steelbook and all this stuff. And you've been involved in the whole of this project, haven't you, for quite a few years now behind the scenes? Yeah, thanks. Uh, we, we have been. It's been, um, you know, Obviously, the plan was to release this last year uh, to coincide with the 20th anniversary last fall. And for a variety of reasons, obviously, the pandemic being one, vinyl pressing plants are just at an unprecedented level of activity right now. And just being able to get time in a plant press, it, it's, it's a long process. You have to do it many, many, many months in advance to, to line up your, your different projects there as well. And then just, you know, collecting the extras and stuff. So I spent a really long time in Cameron's archives going through the dailies on Almost Famous. And for the dailies on Almost Famous, those are on VHS. So I'm sitting going through over 100 VHS uh, cassettes, trying to find little moments that were cut from the film that I felt like would be really cool to string together. And so we've built this new extra feature called Odds and Sods uh, is an homage to it to the old Who record um, of all these little moments from the film that that were cut. And these moments are sometimes five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, um, and sometimes a little bit longer. But they were scenes that I felt like fans would really want to see that maybe weren't long enough to be uh, constituted as a deleted scene or an extended scene. So we've got all these little moments that I will not spoil. Uh, for you or for for, for the listeners, but uh, some great moments there. We were able to um, get new interviews with Cameron for this Blu-ray. And again, with the pa the pandemic was in full swing when we were trying to do this stuff. So what we ended up doing, Mark, is I went over to Cameron's house and I shot 
all the interview footage myself using my iPhone. Wow. And then we sent it, we sent it over to an amazing team at Paramount who were able to kind of clean up the audio and make this stuff presentable. Um, but we have Cameron reflecting on the film. We were able, we were able to unearth John Toll's original costume tests that were shot on film. So we have Penny Lane, we have Kate putting on the Penny Lane coat for the first time. We have all this amazing footage of Stillwater putting on their outfits and Noah Taylor carrying his briefcase as the manager of Stillwater and William Miller and the Band-Aids all together. And so we cut together this really cool uh, featurette on casting Almost Famous. And then we interspersed it with this uh, casting or with this costume footage and with rehearsal footage that Cameron had shot on uh, mini DV back in the day. So we've got you know, uh, Billy and Kate and, uh, and William or Patrick Fugit all doing, you know, rehearsing these, this footage with Cameron actually behind the, the, the mini DV recording it. So we've got all this stuff cut together. And then my favorite featurette, uh, that we were able to put together is rock school. And with that, we were able to use Cameron's behind the scenes DV footage that he shot of Stillwater, like becoming a band. So you've got You've got Jason Lee and you've got Billy Crudup and you've got John uh, Fedovich who played drums uh, at, at Silent Ed. And then you've got a Mark Koslick who, who's the bass player and, and a musician in his own right. So you've got them rehearsing with Nancy Wilson. You've got them rehearsing with uh, Peter Frampton. You've got, we've got this footage of, of Billy filming Peter playing guitar so that Billy can kind of learn where to hold his hands on the guitar and, and how to look like a rock star. And so we've got all this stuff cut together and we're using some of Nancy's original demos uh, in this featurette, which are obviously part of the uh, new soundtrack that we've put together. And again, you know, for the first time, uh, if you people are lucky enough during Record Store Day in the UK and in America, you could have got those early demos for the almost famous soundtrack now from Nancy, which for years you've not even been able to hear, but now you can actually own them, which is just for any fan of almost famous you don't just like almost famous you love it you're obsessed it's your whole life or you've not heard of it that's, that's yeah how it is, it's it, 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 it's true it's really great to hear you know cameron loves to say it's nancy's like low male rock star voice doing these demos and so you get you get to hear nancy's early version of fever dog and uh love comes and goes and love thing and you also get to hear peter frampton do a couple of those tracks as well uh you had to be there uh being one of them um and so that's pretty cool to hear on these demos but i think i think for me uh, you know as we as we talk a little bit about the soundtrack that's coming uh running the website for for 20 years now the the question i've been asked more than any other question whether it was through the old message boards before we had social media or through Twitter and Facebook now, or through just emails to the uncool is I want Nancy's score. I want yeah. Nancy's score. How do I get Nancy's score? And so this is really exciting that for the first time ever, we have Nancy's score on the, uh, the super deluxe or the Uber deluxe box set. And that'll be available both digitally. So you can, if you don't want to buy the vinyl or you don't want to buy CDs, you can actually, uh, you know, buy the uh, buy Nancy score on iTunes or whatever as well. So to be able to have her score for the first time, and not only her score, but a ton of uh, songs that did not make the film. We have outtakes of her score. We have um, people love the menu music from the original DVD. When the original DVD came out, Nancy had put together an original song uh, for the DVD. And people were like, what's that song on the DVD menu? And so we have the DVD menu song on there too. It's called, I think it's called love stomp. So isn't that just, you, the, uh, got, isn't that just an instrumental piece that's playing in the is. background? Yeah, that's incredible. It, it is really beautiful. Her, her score for almost famous and her score for vanilla sky are some of my favorite scores of all time. Yeah. They're just beautiful and they're both very different, but, um, she is such a talented musician and can do so much, uh, musically, and it adds such a, le a level of, of texture to those films. And so really excited that we have Nancy's score on the, uh, the Almost Famous uh, soundtrack that's coming out in July. I mean, that was when they announced everything. So I was on, I think, Twitter and Cameron put a YouTube clip up. That was it. Just the trait, like a movie trailer, but for a soundtrack box set. And it was just like, 
for any fan it was the ultimate dream come true and it wasn't just like here's the finally the vinyl soundtrack without buying an original for 300 dollars on ebay here it is oh and here's the limited edition packaging and here's this and the tour passes and it just kept going this video is like two and a half minutes this trailer and i was like what else can you give us And it's like here's the Stillwater demos and here's a separate vinyl and here's the cds and Oh my God, I thought this must have took years. And the fact that you're involved in this and going through the archives, it must have just been insane to try and whittle down exactly what could finally make this final product. Because even with all the stuff we missed out on that we got on the um, the uncut, you know, the, the actual bootleg cut that we got on DVD, there's still more. You still got more stuff now, 20 years later. To, kind of treat us all with which i thought that was it after that cut when i bought the region one one it folded all out i got the little ep of the band with the demos on i thought that's there's nothing else i've got the ultimate collection and now you've just kind of thrown this all on us uh you know it, it as a fan um you got to look at this and cameron does the same thing it's like what what can we give people that will blow their minds and also you know not make them feel bad about a previous purchase. So uh, it, it was really important to me. I told Paramount early on, like we have to include everything that was on the original release. A lot of times what happens is they drop extra features because there's not disc space or what have you. And so I said to them, you know, not only do I want to create some new extras, but we have to give them everything that they had on the, on the original release. So I want to make sure that we carry over all those extras. And the thing that I'm, you know, that was so cool back in 2000, 2001, everybody was putting Easter eggs on their DVDs and their Blu-rays even back then. And um, I said, I said, you know, a lot of people haven't seen those, those extra Easter eggs because they're hidden so well. And so I said, these need to be unhidden. Let's just put them in the menu. I want people to be able to see like, there's a, a really long take, uh, like a nine minute take that Cameron does that uh, on the bus that people, a lot of people haven't seen and, and some other stuff that, that um, you know, even I think some of the actors hadn't seen it, didn't realize they were on the disc. And so I'm like, let's put those out there. Let's make sure they're available. Let's make sure all the original extras are out there. And then let's make sure we find some new stuff that people have never seen. And, you know, we had, we had longer cuts of the film. We looked at early, early, like assembly cuts of the film. And some of them were, you know, closer to three hours. And, you know, they're interesting to look at. There's different songs potentially in scenes that, 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 were in, that ended up getting changed. Sometimes it's really hard to, to put something like that out because of clearance issues, whether it's music related. And a lot of times it's quality too. I mean, the best quality I could find is like a really bad VHS. And I just, it wasn't worth kind of trying to restore a VHS cut of a longer version of, of Almost Famous. The bootleg cut really is the definitive version of the film. It's the version that Cameron is closest to that he feels like whenever people ask him, you know, that's his favorite cut of the film. Um, you know, we love the theatrical version too. Obviously it, it uh, he won an Oscar for, for the screenplay, but, but the bootleg cut is like a longer, more enjoy enjoyable version and spending time in that world. And so, again, I tried to uh, go through the archives and find some really great moments that were cut that sort of encapsulate what could have been in a longer cut of, uh, of the film. And so, like I said, you'll find little moments and you'll also find new extended scenes that we were able to, to put in. Uh, there's a, sh a little shot of uh, the Band-Aids with humble pie in the back of the truck that people never got to see. We've got some some uh, extended moments of William with the band-aids in the hotel telling them not to answer the phone. <laughs> and uh, we've got just a lot of little moments that, that, uh, that I think people are going to really, really enjoy. There's a nice extended scene with Sapphire and um, um, Russell Hammond toward the end of the film where she has quite a few great lines that didn't make it in uh, into the film. So yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. I think, the, the diehards will really dig the new stuff that we were able to, uh, to, to include. And, um, but you're right. I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough to whittle this stuff down. And, um, you know, there are sometimes clearance issues. Our goal with the soundtrack was let's include every song in the film. And we almost, we almost achieved that goal. 
Uh, I will not spoil what did not make it. If you know the film really well, you know what songs we were not able to clear, but almost everything from the film is included. And when we were able to get Zeppelin, it's almost like the film itself. When, when Zeppelin said yes to the five songs that are included on the soundtrack, that opened the door. Once Zeppelin said yes, then Jimi Hendrix estate said yes. And um, the Who and some other artists that we were, that, we, that were tougher to get said yes. And um, everybody was so great, uh, Mark. We were able to get a brand new version of Tiny Dancer that is a mix of Elton's version and the cast, in, the cast singing that Elton wow. was able to approve. So that was kind of exciting. And um, I'm really excited about the version of Sparks uh, that we have on uh, the soundtrack from The Who because that is a special mix that's cut together the way that is cut together in the film. So we have some, some of those little moments that I think people are going to really dig on the soundtrack. We've also included some clips from the film. We didn't want to go crazy with too many dialogue clips in between the tracks, but we yeah. do have a smattering of them that we, that we really like that I think are, are sort of iconic that you'll see um, uh, cut into, uh, into the soundtrack. And then the other thing that we wanted to do, um, as I give you this long-winded answer, is... is um, make sure that there were different configurations available. So if somebody just wanted the original soundtrack, they could get that. Yeah. If they wanted the super deluxe soundtrack, they had an option. So there's many, many different price points. I think we have eight different releases for the soundtrack uh, coming out. So you've got, you know, two LP and you've got a target exclusive two LP, which has a different track listing. It's almost like a, uh, a mini super deluxe version. We've got a five CD box set. We've got a six LP set. We've got the super deluxe set. And again, as you mentioned, we wanted to include some extra stuff. If you're going to spend upwards of $300 on this really big box set, we wanted to have backstage passes and business cards and posters. And we, I'm really excited that we were able to, uh, finally complete William Miller's Rolling Stone story. So we had a, a group of Rolling Stone writers, uh, existing current Rolling Stone writers, put together what it would be if William Miller was to have written that cover story about Stillwater. And then Cameron was able to come in and add some flourishes to that story. And we are printing that up in the, in the Super Deluxe box set. So you'll be able to get a miniature like replica of that Rolling Stone cover story oh, complete amazing. with, and it's got, it's got ads. It's got 1973 uh, period ads in the, uh, in the Rolling Stone issue. It's got some record reviews from 73 as well. We had a guy working on all of the material for all of these different releases uh, named Andy Fisher. He's a design guru and he was able to, make each release its own unique thing. So you'll see every single release has its own unique artwork. And um, the amount of detail that was put into the booklet and the artwork, it's staggering. He spent many, many sleepless nights putting this stuff together and really proud of the work that he did. And uh, we've got liner notes from Cameron and Nancy and uh, Neil Preston, who did all of this amazing photography, which is sort of the center piece of all of these releases is Neil's Neil's photos on set are just staggering and you know Neil is a a famous legendary rock photographer who's worked with everybody in the business and um his stuff is uh it is so fly on the wall beautiful and and, and unique and I, I love his behind the scenes shots as much as his like shots, you know, that, that are more, you know, standard in terms of capturing the actors working, but just his fly on the wall stuff of, of behind the scenes, it's littered throughout this booklet. And uh, there's going to be, it, you, you'll, you'll, you'll spend a couple of hours just looking at the booklet. There's so much stuff in there to look at. So really, really excited about these releases. You do realize for the diehard fans like myself that we want them all. So I want the Target exclusive. I want the normal edition. I want the CD edition. I want the Super Duper because everything's got a bit of something different. Even if you buy the Super Duper, there's like, oh, the Target one's got slightly different artwork. I need that one. And they're doing a T-shirt and they're, oh God, it's 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 not a good time if you're uh, trying to save money when this stuff comes out. I know. We, we You know, we really looked at this like, 
what have people been asking for for the past 20 years? How do we deliver that? Yeah. And make sure there's as many different configurations available for every level of fan. But also, like, there's never been official merchandise before. So it's like, can we finally get a Stillwater t-shirt in print? And the answer was, yes, let's do, let's do a Stillwater shirt and, you know, let's, let's do the demos. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, you know, it, we looked at this as really, as you mentioned before, when you got the original uh, bootleg cut back in the day on DVD, like this is, we looked at this, like, this is our last chance. Yeah. This is our last chance to put together a physical media package on Blu-ray and DVD or just Blu-ray really. And this is our last chance to do like a really special vinyl and CD release because, you know, vinyl is had a resurgence and is really popular again, but we all know that streaming is taking over the world, both on audio and video. And so how do we do something that we can put in consumers' hands and fans' hands that they're going to love because we probably won't get another chance at this. So that was the, that was the, uh, the, uh, the goal with this release is, um, to make sure that we do it in a way that says there's nothing left. This is everything we have to deliver on this, on this film and, and on the soundtrack. You say this and then in four years time, it'd be the 25th anniversary edition, the extra track we forgot that Greg left in the basement that he's now pulled out. And now you finally get it. If you buy the target exclusive. <laughs> I know you're, you're, you're so funny that that is usually the, 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 the plan or we'll re-release it with a different cover and everything else is exactly the same. But I, I honestly believe that, you know, this it's really is it. Yeah. I, I, there's really nothing left. Um, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to give everybody Nancy's score and the Stillwater tracks and everything we could from the film and say like, here it is. You love this movie. This is our last chance to kind of deliver that, uh, that beautiful box set to you. And, uh, here you go. So, yeah, I mean, the, the only, the only, the, the only, you know, regret is, you know, there was a really nice, uh, almost famous and vanilla sky, vinyl release back in the early 2000s that Andy Fisher, the same guy that, that, that worked on the design for this, um, worked on that. Um, but it was only limited to like 2000 copies. And so, yeah. like you said, if you want one of those, you have to buy it on, uh, on eBay or some secondary market and pay an extremely ridiculous price for it. Well, we wanted to make sure that this version was better and uh, that we had more uh, more copies available. And, and those Uber Deluxe sets are very expensive to produce and there's risk involved with making too many of them. So you're gonna have to, Universal Music had to kind of gauge like how many do we think is the right number and, uh, and, and produce you know, that number. But we, we just wanted to make sure that there was you know, enough uh, that, that this didn't happen again. And, and in two months, this thing was sold out and you couldn't buy it and it was going for twice the price on eBay. Cause that, that's not good for anybody. No. And so try to avoid that as much as possible. It's hard to sometimes with these limited edition vinyl releases, but that was the goal. And um, we feel pretty good that we're giving people choices. And if they don't want to spend 300 on, you know, a vinyl release, then they can buy the target edition or they can buy the CD set or you they can just buy for it. everyone. Yeah. Massively. Yeah, it's they amazing. Can buy it digitally. Now, now I'll, I'll throw a caveat out there and that's the world of streaming that we're in. Um, if you if you listen to this on Spotify or Apple Music or something, you're not going to have every track. No. Uh, a lot of these artists gray out tracks. They they're only available, you know, in a physical product. So you're not going to probably see um, some of these Zeppelin tracks or, or or some of these more sought after tracks on streaming. But I can tell you that we made sure that the the Nancy Wilson tracks, the Stillwater tracks that kind of stuff will be available not only to stream, but to purchase digitally because I did want people to, to have that option. And so that stuff was worked out, but you know, it can get really lucratively um, expensive to uh, have everything available streaming and physically. And it was so much work to get these tracks um, cleared. Um, Like I said, it took a a long time to get all these bands on board. Um, And again, a lot of this happened because of Cameron's relationship with these bands. They, they have a long standing relationship and, you know, Cameron is great about, uh, you know, if a band needs some liner notes or if they need something, he, he's there for them and vice versa. They're there for, for him. So I think, you know, that's why we're able to do this. It's pretty, pretty difficult to get every song from a film 
uh, on a soundtrack. It doesn't usually happen, especially mm -hmm. a, a film of this length. And so I, I don't know what we're at, 50 some odd tracks that are featured in the film that are gonna be on this, uh, this super deluxe and this box set. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a ton of work, but I think uh, it's been well worth it. You must be extremely proud, you and Cameron, because on the other end of me, even though I'm a podcaster and I'm doing this, I am a fan. I can't deny it and not be a fanboy when it comes to this film because it's part of my life. I, you know, I saw it 20 years ago and it changed my whole life. It, it made me want to be like William Miller. And to give back to the fans now the ultimate package before, you know, I think streaming is taking over. I, I, I can't remember the last time I bought a CD and I used to be the guy that would buy a CD at every gig and queuing up outside Virgin and HMV to buy these. But this is the last chance. I think you, you nailed it today on the interview by saying that, you know, we joke, but in, to, to celebrate the 25th anniversary, there probably won't be CDs anymore. There'll be literally, you know, I walk into a record shop now, it's vinyl or MP3 on your Spotify. That's it. So it's the perfect time for the fans, I think. And what you've given to everybody, you and Cameron is, well, I just can't wait for it to arrive. You know, I'm just, it's like Christmas. It's, I know you've been there. You've worked tirelessly. There's been so many days and nights and weekends and there must've been sleepless nights, but you know, as a fan yourself, you've, you've got the ultimate package now. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the goal. It's like, what do I want? You know, Cameron always thinks that way, like, what would I want? And then try to give that to, to, to everybody else, hoping that, that they want the same thing. And it, nothing makes us more uh, excited than to walk into like, for example, for us in LA, it's Amoeba records, right? Yeah. So to be able to walk into Amoeba and see the soundtrack on the shelf is going to be so rewarding. Uh, we, we recently, recently put out the say anything vinyl with mondo and so to see that on the shelf was great and to see the stillwaters uh demos ep on record store day on the shelf was really cool and yeah i mean you're right in five years it's going to be much like it is with some video games now where you'll walk into a store and instead of seeing the video game you'll see like a little plastic hang tag yeah. and you buy that and it's got a code on it and then you take it home and you scratch it off and then you download your your game through through a code that's where we're headed. And it's not real exciting to collect plastic hand tags. No. With no. <laughs> how many linear notes and how many different um, stories and photos can you print on that little credit card size scratch card, you know? It's true. And, and uh, you know, as much as, you know, I have Spotify and I listen to Spotify in my car, you, you, you can't get the same experience as, as uh, thumbing through a booklet and looking at Neil Preston photos and liner notes and and uh, and just amazing stuff that uh, that we've worked so hard on it and that that's the best part of this this project has been you know obviously Cameron's enthusiasm Nancy's enthusiasm Peter Frampton's been great everybody's enthusiasm but also just like Jeff Fira who's the uh, project uh, coordinator at Universal Music who has been spearheading this soundtrack with universal music he's the biggest fan and he's been so great about what else can we put in here and what else do we have in the archives and what about those ben fong torres lester bangs business cards what if we put those <laughs> in there and, and um you know um like i said andy fisher who did the design work he, he came up with the idea like what if we used william miller's notebook from the film as the kind of uh way to house the, the the vinyl and the cds in the package so yeah. you'll see that we have scanned in william phil william miller's original notebook has been scanned in and that is the uh the slip case and and the uh the, the content holder of, of these of these packages so you'll see all of his original sprawlings on the notebook the led zeppelin and the lester bangs and all that stuff and so you know all these little touches um that we just wanted to do that we thought that the fans would really appreciate. And so I hope that everybody feels like, yeah, we've given everything, everything we can on this release. And, you know, this is, this is not the end. Uh, it is the end for almost famous, but, but as I mentioned, we just put out the Mondo say anything vinyl and we're working, I'm working on the Jerry Maguire vinyl right now. And we're going to go chronologically. We're going to do um, singles and Jerry and uh, we're going to do uh, uh, Vanilla Sky again, because like wow. I said, that's been out of print for a long time. And we're going to do Elizabeth Town on vinyl, which has never been released on vinyl before. And we're going to do We Bought a Zoo on vinyl with the amazing score by Yonzi, which has never been 
release before. And so, yeah, it's been exciting. And, and uh, the, the next two or three years will be just a, um, just a, hopefully a dream for vinyl lovers and Cameron Crowe soundtrack lovers, because we're trying to put everything out. You know, the best thing is it's the fact that the fans win because I absolutely love Elizabeth town. You know, I think it's one of the most underrated films out there for a fan of something like say anything mondo it sells out in a blink like literally in the uk you can't get it and then you go on ebay and there's these scalpers that just buy them and triple them and then that's it but finally now we're in a place where we can get the stuff we've wanted for a long time you know whenever i wanted almost famous the soundtrack as much as a fan i just don't want to give some guy 400 dollars because he's doesn't deserve it you know you're shafting the fans so now <laughs> to spend 300 and get this ultimate package it feels like well finally the fans have now taken the lead it's 2-1 to us now you know it's true and and i i should mention um paramount as well so you know they they came to us and said we want to do a 20th anniversary of almost famous and we said yes but we got to do it this way and they were super collaborative and we had input on the cover art and the design of every inch of that blu-ray and most importantly is they went back in and meticulously restored this thing did a new scan a new 4k scan of the film cameron was able to supervise the new scan it's never looked this good the 4k release of this movie is the definitive version of the film it's never looked this good it's probably it never looked this good in theaters i don't think i think it's the most beautiful way to watch this movie and so you know whether you buy the 4k blu-ray or you just stream it 4k it's never going to look as good as it does now and we're really tickled with uh the care that went into the release uh by both paramount on the film and universal music on the soundtrack and and for you over in the uk uh, it's a Sony release and I've been working with Sony as well, Sony International. And so they're going to get all of the amazing extras that we have on the Paramount release domestically in the United States will be on the uh, international release as well. They have a little bit different of a cover art. There's some extra little tchotchkes that are thrown in on the uh, international release. I think there's some Stillwater uh, stickers that they're yeah. including inside, yeah, the, the, HMV inside the Blu-ray. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, we wanted, again, we wanted to make sure that you didn't miss out internationally. My, my one regret, and this is something that I had no control over, is for whatever reason, uh, Universal UK decided they did not want the Super Deluxe version uh, over in, uh, in England and, and internationally. And so uh, the only way to get that one, sadly, for you all over there is to import it. Um, but, you know, uh, I sadly can't make those decisions for for these these large corporations but uh that gave us more more uh copies available domestically and hopefully if somebody really really wants one uh they they at least have an avenue to buy it directly from universal and you know not to sound like i'm i'm trying to sell uh the soundtrack because i'm not but i did notice that there's like a coupon or something available yeah. so there is like a, a discount that you can get it's still expensive i, I understand that and I think the shipping internationally is probably expensive, but I'm just glad that if you want to buy it internationally, you at least have an option. I wish it would have been available for you guys in the UK, uh, either through Amazon or through uh, the Universal Music Store over there. But, um, you know, that, that's, that, that's a small regret, but I, I do think about how that stuff impacts the fans and, and uh, different parts of the world as well. But, but like you said, it's out of your control. The UK do get the CD release over in HMV. They've got it as an exclusive. But as you said, um, where it originally went up on sale, there was like a 20% coupon code. And if you used it, it kind of made up for the postage and the packaging and the shipping. So it was kind of like, okay, it doesn't feel too bad. Like we, we still got it. We just got to, you know, just pay a little bit extra. But as a fan, you won't mind paying extra because you get what you want. So it's still better than paying eBay idiots this is true and mark i don't i don't even know this is the target version going to be available over there or you guys probably don't even have targets do you? no so all, all we've got is hmv in the uk have brought out the the blu-ray um finally uh and we're getting the they're calling it like the cine exclusive um but right. we, we're not getting um we're not getting anything else in the way of just the CD box set, but we're not getting like a Target exclusive. But we do get the Penny Lane packaging when she's kind of stood up in that red and white, the white top and the red dress. It's like it looks like a steel book. 
Um, yeah. So that that's all we're getting over here. But that's 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 good for us. You know, we we all love that. So. So does Target ship over there? So if you wanted no. to get the Target version, no. you can't get the Target. You can't version. get it. They won't send it. But what you know, a lot of people nowadays they know a way of. You can rent a address in America to then forward it on to you if you know the right people. Oh, wow. So well, uh, I, I might be able to get you a Target edition if you'd like. So that would just, be uh, very very cool. Let me know. Um, yeah, I'll you, let me know what you really desire, and I will I will hook you up if it's especially if it's something you can't get. So we're yeah, okay. Target... We, we haven't been shafted too badly. But when you go on Target and they've got the T-shirt, they've got the Stillwater T-shirt where um, Russell's really in focus and the rest aren't, which everyone's always wanted. It's just frustrating. It's just like, oh, do I just should I just fly over to America? <laughs> just <laughs> get it all. You just need to send me a list. Um, did Did you see the track listing for the Target exclusive? Uh, I saw it on the website when Cameron put up the original link, um, but then you kind of just go onto Target and it's like, uh, look what you could have had. It's, it's it's cruel because you see it all, but you can't add it. You add it to your basket, and then when you go to checkout, it says, "Sorry, you're not in the U.S." So they just right thing you so i mean uh, you, all you've done today is just tease me i think listening to this interview i'm now at the point where i'll be looking outside my door waiting for the postman every single day in a couple of weeks and as people are listening to this hopefully they've got theirs and they're watching the film or waiting for their box set but away from almost famous i mean the fans now are all juiced up and ready but what have you got for the next couple of years you and cameron i know that there's a few things happening that we're not allowed to talk about but for the fans out there that have tuned in today is there stuff that we can start to tease a little bit yeah i mean a couple things well i mentioned uh there, there's a bunch of vinyl releases that we are working on so hopefully over the next couple of years every one of cameron's films will have been released in a vinyl set with new tracks, unreleased tracks, demos, different things like that. We're, we're in the process right now of doing uh, singles and Jerry Maguire, and um, then we'll move on to Vanilla Sky. We're trying to go chronologically with Mondo yeah. on these releases. And so these Mondo releases will all have a certain design aesthetic, and um, we're very excited. They've been great partners as well. And so um, I've been working and Cameron has been working on these Mondo releases. And, uh, and as I mentioned, our wonderful uh, collaborator, uh, Andy Fisher, who's done the design work for these, uh, it's helping with the design work for these releases as well. Um, so we've got that, we've got the vinyl and then, um, you know, uh, we've been toying with the idea of a book, a book of journalism that we've been uh uh, working on for the better part. I feel like Cameron's been working on for the better part of 20 years. So there's a, a that's coming, I think, down the road. And, um, you know, uh, we we quietly helped Stevie Nicks with a music video last year that came out called uh, Show Them the Way. It was directed by Cameron. And we're pretty proud of that music video that's out there and available to watch on YouTube or wherever. So there's that. And then, uh, you know, Cameron's been furiously writing a couple different projects. So we should have some announcements soon on uh, his next feature film. So, yeah, there's there's quite a bit going. Um, and then for home video, um, we put Elizabethtown out for the first time on Blu-ray earlier this year. And, um, you know, I'm still desperately trying to get Cameron's documentary, The Union, uh, out on an official release. That was a, a, a film that he made uh, that chronicles the collaboration between Elton John and Leon Russell on an album called The Union. And that was, it's little, it's little scene. It was, uh, it was something that debuted at Tribeca uh, uh, many years ago, I believe 2011. And uh, it was on HBO for a short time. And, and since then it's, uh, it hasn't been officially available. And so I've been trying to work on getting that released with Elton, uh, Elton's company. And so we're trying to do that. Nothing official to announce quite yet, but that's something I'm trying to get released. I'm also trying to get roadies released uh, physically. You know, again, we talked about physical media and that it's going away. Uh, I'd love to see roadies and the union get Blu-ray releases before that happens. Uh, both of those have some music issues that we're trying to iron out. Uh, you can watch roadies on Hulu, but you can't own roadies right now no. either. 
uh, elect uh, digitally or or physically. So trying to do that. So those are a couple things that that I'm working on behind the scenes. But uh, most excited about Cameron's next film that uh, hopefully we can uh, talk about uh, pretty soon. It's been a long time, and I can't wait for that day. I go onto Twitter and see the announcement that there's a new film coming, and I just I just can't wait. I you know it's going to be the day when I'm going to lose my shit. I just know it. Yeah, we're excited. We are. I think that uh, it'll be sooner rather than later. Oh, God. You're so, this is just, just the tease cast, isn't it? That's what it should be called. The tease cast. Every week, we're going to tease you with stuff that isn't quite here, but you want it to be here <laughs> right away. There's a couple of questions I've got left for you today. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. But what I want to do is there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast that are filmmakers or producers or directors or wanting to get into the industry. And I ask this to everybody. I ask this to Kevin Smith, Anthony Hopkins, Mads Mikkelsen, all the people that have been on the podcast. And yourself is no exclusion. What advice do you give to anybody that's listening today that wants to get into industry and they can't all take the approach of building a fan site and hoping that one day that person hires them. That is the ultimate goal and dream. But what advice do you give to those people that are listening that are so inspired by you and that are wanting to get involved in the industry and, and do what you've done? Because it's been a long time coming for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough question, Mark. It really is because I don't think there's one right way uh, to break in uh, to the industry. I think that you just need to have a love and a passion. And I think in most cases, although things are changing, you know, being in the, in the center of, of, of the filmmaking industry, if, if you're talking about filmmaking is helpful, but um, you know, there's huge pockets of people now working in Georgia or Vancouver or Toronto or in the UK. And so I it just, it really is about just, um, you know, trying to perfect your trade in whatever way that is, um, whether it's uh, through school or through hands-on experience. But, you know, a lot of people I see on sets, you know, they are, they're just, they're passionate and they're just willing to jump in and do whatever. Like, yeah. what can I do to get my foot in the door? I'll be a production assistant. I'll be a driver, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, I was in Seattle at a time when there wasn't a lot of films being made. There was a few being made here and there, but then the city of Seattle kind of moved away from uh, being uh, filmmaker friendly. And so they were not providing uh, those tax breaks and those, those uh, enticing things to make a filmmaker want to come shoot up in Seattle. So there were not a lot of opportunities where I lived. Uh, if I wanted to really pursue filmmaking back in the early nineties, I would have had to either go to Vancouver or come down to, to LA and, and um, but that's what you need to do. You need to you need to figure out like where where do you need to go? What what is your passion? And and try to get in there and and get on as many websites as you can. I mean, there's a, a there's Production Beast, which is a kind of a, a casting uh, more of a crew uh, website uh, where you know. And there's obviously things like LinkedIn and there's different things like that. But I think the best thing you can do is just like is to make the move, take the plunge, figure out where you want to go and and pursue it. It's not easy. I had a very unique path into this industry, um, but and I, I'm lucky. I, I know that. But I, I do think hard work and um, and just being open to um, as many opportunities as you can and as many experiences as you can will open that door for you. Um, I see people all the time in LA that that uh, are just looking to make connections. They're they're asking. They're um, they're 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 just they just don't know who that person is that's going to open a door for them. A lot of times, it's a person that uh, inadvertently opens a door, or accidentally opens a door, or uh, because they've impressed them in some way, purposely opens a door for them. And um, but you don't see a lot of lazy people. You don't see a lot of um, half-hearted people making the plunge you have to be passionate you have to be willing to roll up your sleeves in whatever capacity whatever job you are seeking and um, I think it helps to be genuine I think it helps to be friendly and nice and um, you know as memorable as you possibly can and uh, but again it's a tough question and there's certainly not one 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 way in i think there's many many ways in 
If you thought that was a tough question, my final question uh, is something that I do with every single guest that comes on Mark and Me, everyone that's been on. So there's 148 episodes and every single one has been different. When a guest comes on the Mark and Me podcast, what I do is I make sure that the outro music is different to every single person that comes on. Now, the reason it's different is the guest gets to choose on the spot the piece of music that is the outro piece for their interview. So I'm putting you on the spot now and I'm not going to give you very long at all. And I don't want a list of 50 down to 20 down to 10 or you to email me in a week's time and say at four o'clock in the morning you woke up and thought, actually, it's this. I want to know that when this interview is wrapped up, I thank Greg for coming on the show. We've done all the outro and then it all closes off. The fade in comes in. What is the song that represents you that means a lot? It can be from a film. It can be from a score. It can be just a band you fucking love but something that means hell of a lot to you that should be the Greg outro song. Wow. That is a tough, as you know, a tough question. I got a million things going through my brain right now. Um, I want, I want it to be the one that goes into the heart, the soul, yeah. the first one that really comes in. Cause that's the one I think that most people normally go with. And then if it, there's a reason why it came before anything else. Interesting. I mean, the easy answer is to pick one of Cameron's songs, scores, one of Nancy's tracks or, or something like that. But but that wouldn't be true to your question. And so um, for me, this is all about be, you. Yeah. For me, it would be um, something from Thomas Newman's score for Wally. Oh, incredible. I saw the little Eve in the background on your uh, and is yes. Wally next door. And I'm like, oh, OK, he loves one of my favorite Pixar films ever. Actually, uh, if I had, if you had to pin me down and say, what's your favorite film of all time? I would probably say Wally. Nice. I love the movie so much. I love the first 20 minutes, I think are perfection. Uh, I, but I love the whole movie. I love his relationship to Eve. I love his determination. I just watched it actually recently. His determination, really that movie, if you ask people like, what's Wally about? In my opinion, it's about someone wanting to hold somebody's hand so desperately and make that connection with another human being, or in this case, a robot. And that his pursuit for that whole movie is to hold her hand. That's really all he wants to do. I love that movie so much. I love the score. I love Peter Gabriel's uh, ending track, Down to Earth. But yeah, I think if you pick something from the beginning of Wall-E, uh, one of the first score snippets from that film, that would make me really happy. Um, so we'll leave it. We'll leave it at Wall-E. But uh, yeah, I could. I could. There's a few other things that come to mind um, as well. Uh, I have a very uh, eclectic taste in movies. I think um, I love Almost Famous, as you know. But I'm a huge talented Mr. Ripley fan. I love Michael Clayton. I love Children of Men, the Alfonso Cuaron film. It's incredible. Um, I love Royal Tenenbaums. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I have a, a bunch of different things. And I love music, much like yourself. I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. Uh, probably my second favorite uh, artist or band. Uh, my favorite would be Neil Finn. Um, I love his solo work. I love his work in Crowded House and Split Ends. Big Neil Finn fan. But uh, yeah, I would say Wally. All right, then. Have a great rest of the day. See you soon. Bye now. This is Cameron Crowe, and we are listening to the Mark and Me podcast. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Greg, and Cameron Crowe came along for the journey. I'm so honored that you both took the time out to come on the Mark and Me podcast. And this is a UK exclusive. I was the only outlet in the whole of the UK to be granted access to all this information, these interviews, these sound bites for the release and the anniversary edition of the almost famous vinyls and the Blu-ray 4K box set and steelbook. So I'm absolutely honored that you allowed me this privilege and I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. I hope that anyone listening today has automatically gone and bought themselves the vinyl or the brand new 4K release. There's no better time, as you've heard me and Greg talking today, to get this because it really is the best version that Cameron Crowe has ever produced and it is the best film, in my opinion, of all time. If you've really enjoyed today's episode, I do have a website, markandme.com. On there, there's my Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. If you've enjoyed today's episode, all I ask is you share it across your networks. 
If you really want to support me as well, I have a Patreon page and on there every month I have exclusive prizes from Last Exit to Nowhere t-shirts and Vice Press who do the best posters out there in the industry. Please check it out and for as little as £1 a month you can sponsor the podcast and all that money goes back into funding the podcast and allowing me to record more episodes for you guys at home. As it's been such an honour to have Cameron Crowe come on the episode, I want to finish with this incredible soundbite that I will treasure forever. Thank you everyone for listening and hey, it's all happening. This is Cameron Crowe. It is all happening at the Mark and Me podcast.